go live. Oh, I am and hearing all. The, I'm hearing all the beeps. Oh. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. Cool. Hi, hi everyone. Uh, Hello, welcome. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Thursday show, the Thursday showgram. Which we were just commenting, which was the fact that it's Thursday was as much of a shock to me as it was to anybody else. Yeah, I yeah. It, it was a shock to me as well um, because I looked at the calendar and was like, "Oh crap, where's um, where's the uh, what what story are we doing today?" <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the when you put on the uh, thing said, "Oh, see see you at ten o'clock," because um, uh, for those who are, who are watching, Nick's very good. He, he, he does translate everything into UK time for me, so I know I've got no excuses. Um, and uh, it only took one time for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. are you gonna be here? But, uh, What's going on? But, yeah. <laughs> oh, that that was a classic episode, though. I've seen you basically. I, I watched that bit back on. I think said, and I'm fairly sure he's going to be here at some point. Um, maybe. Yeah. Um, maybe. Um, oh, he just we'll sent see. me a message going, "Bugger, <laughs> run, 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 run." <laughs> As I sprinted down that garden to get to get the um, the gear set up. And it was the one time that I didn't have my laptop set up as well. <laughs> Just booting up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a Thursday uh, afternoon for me, evening for you. And mm-hmm. we are here to talk human factors. This is the pre-show. Wait, why does it say post-show then? Let's change that. This is the pre-show, as you can see. Um, it says so down below, so it must be true. Right? That's what, that's what it says. Uh, yeah, so we... We typically do the show notes here during the pre-show, but I was on a good one. The pills have been kicking in, apparently, um, and uh, and we're nearly complete. We only need like one more. Uh, it came from section, I guess. So yeah, uh, I guess let's... again, just to put it in context for everybody else. Normally, Nick will put something up there, say, um, saying right, it looks like it's going to be this kind of story. So I'll start reading it, and then um, then when the story is confirmed, I'll that's probably about four or five o'clock in the afternoon for me. So I'll then start dipping into it and cut out later things about um, what the blurb's going to be and all that sort of stuff. Came into it to, today. Um, Nick sends out the show notes, and I'm like, "Well done. It's it's it's, it's there. <laughs> I'm, I'm redundant. I don't know what to do anymore." <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we need one more. Um, it came from. Yes, we need one more. It came from. I wish I had that energy for other things too. Like I am. Um... Tomorrow we're having our lab kickoff meeting, and uh, for the Human Factors Cast Digital Media Lab. If you're interested, reach out to us. Happy to uh, have a conversation about maybe whether or not it would work for you, um, and what we're doing there. So I need to put together that kickoff brief because uh, need to let everybody know what's going on. I'll say it's it's and it's at a time where I can quite possibly make it. Yeah, I'm excited. Should Let's be see good. here. So I, I'm I looking. I have been, I have been invited out for for a couple of glasses, um, end of week glasses of wine as well. So let's see how it goes. Yeah. Well, so, if you need to cut it short or if you're is. a little bit late, that's fine. Depending on whenever you know. Depends how bad tomorrow is. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I'm, I'm running a workshop tomorrow, so but it's a it's the last workshop in a big pro, in the two year program. Ah, and so, okay. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. Oh, let's see here. We have specific questions about specific programs that I don't like answering because we don't have that context. Uh, Versus HCI. How could you? That's a strange 
decision. So there's what one there. Should, should I choose an MBA or a, uh, an ACI degree? I did see that one. That's a true. It depends. Do you want to be basically well, yeah, what do business you want to do? project manager or do you want to be a designer? Kind of. Yeah. Maybe I'm being too simplistic. Yeah. To, I mean, to me, that that's just like a that's a pre-show question. Do what you want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Figure it out yourself because we can't answer that for you. Look, go um, and talk to yourself in the mirror and see what the mirror says. Yeah. You know, a, a magic eight ball or a Ouija board might be more effective than... Or a coin. Uh, or a coin. coin. Whatever yeah. works. Um, Let's see here. Cool. Product How's designers. The How's the HCI program at University of Michigan, Diabon? I have no idea. There you go. That was been. Product um, designers, what tools does your team use to track work? So this one... This one's interesting, uh, and I th I feel like we've talked about this before. Um, hey, yeah, well, we've talked about how to you know tracking work within teams, but not necessarily tool. Well, I, I haven't talked. You might have talked about tool control. I don't think I have. Yeah, we've talked about tools in the past. It could be worth it to revisit it. I know it's a question that comes up quite frequently. Is like, what are the most effective things, and and kind of like. Spoilers, I guess. Not spoilers. I've said it on the show before. Like, the, like my fallback answer for that is always like, what is everybody else using? Uh, what are the developers using? Use that and align to what they're doing. Uh, is kind of my my go to yeah. answer as a as a human factors person, as a UX person. You should be flexible. That should be part of your skill set. And so, learn to use their tool and make it work for instance i guess that's kind of i kind of yeah i mean they, they, so they mentioned jira I, I have a love-hate relationship with jira i do too because they it's kind of it is agile but it's what we can use agile you can use waterfall um but it kind of does both badly um not badly but it just not fully it, you know sense. it really depends on how, here it goes it really depends <laughs> on how it's set up it, it, yeah. it really does depend on how it's set up and a lot of the time if you're aligning to like developers uh, Jira, like I can see where those roadblocks would pop up because I've hit yeah. them before. Yeah, uh, and so it's it's very much having a conversation with you know the Jira admins or becoming a Jira admin. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, to, they, to help they, influence exactly how how things go. Um, let's see here. We have a question in the chat here. Should you know design to get into the field of human factors? Um, this is a great question. Um, uh, no, not necessarily. But it, it helps. But if you want to get into, if you want to get into the, if you want to get into the design element of, uh, so you're doing HCI design, you're doing product design, you're doing that sort of element of it, then clearly a bit of design would help. But if you want to get into safety testing, if you want to get into um, uh, human uh, practice integration, you want to get into them sort of thing, you don't need to know design. Um, Generally, as, as long as you've got a fairly sensible head on your shoulders and you're pragmatic and you can actually talk to people and not not put people in the face every time you see them and, and swear at them, then generally you might be quite good at human factors. So, yeah, we'll um, we'll be talking a little bit about skill sets a little later, um, and in terms of building those skill sets in like an undergrad environment, uh, communication is one of those bigger ones. I think if design is of interest to you, I, you know, I wouldn't like shy away from it. In fact. It can be really helpful to understand from a design perspective uh, kind of what's possible with tools out there, kind of how they operate, because uh, your role as a human factors practitioner is going to be a lot of that communication piece. 
between the designers, between the developers, between a lot of different stakeholders. And mm-hmm. so uh, the more kind of insight you have into each role could be a good thing. I, I wouldn't say like go out of your way to do it. Um, there's also sort of the, uh, this is a really great question actually, because there's also sort of the, um, the translation piece between user research or, um, you know, scientific research you do in academia and what that translates to in terms of a design. Mm. And so, you know, if you have some of those design skills, you can whip something together and throw it over to the design team for them to polish it up where, you know, you're kind of creating something based on the feedback that you've received um, or tested or evaluated or whatever you're doing for that project. So try to keep it fairly vague. I, I guess it, it, yeah, in, in that respect, it would be quite helpful to know what what what, what your interest is, because um, if you want to get into the design side, um, you know, I, I spend a fair bit of time doing... Um, in interface design for for various platforms um and knowing design isn't necessarily like having the degree or, or whatever it it can be just having an interest in it um and then being fairly sensible in you know simple things like the use of color the the groupings of of, of, of things and and being able to read into you know what what makes other people tick um so know it there's knowing and there's knowing i think as well so um and from I guess from a selfish perspective, it, I think it's quite a cool thing to do, but it's not the be all and end all. I've, I've worked with loads of people in the training domain, for example, who yep. wouldn't know a good design if it slapped them around the face like a wet kipper. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so the answer is definitely it depends. Yep, uh, there you go. Yeah, thank you for that question, Deep Sea Hippo. Appreciate it. Mm. Uh, ooh, we got, ooh, we got another one here. Yeah. Biggest yeah. subfields of human factors. Oh, so. Okay, well, there's aviation, there's military defense domain, there's um, oil and gas, oil and gas. There. There's healthcare, nuclear. Uh, um, nuclear is pretty big too. Uh, medicals getting up there now, though. Yeah, yeah. I just said medicals. Oh, you said that. Sorry. Yeah. No, um, that's fine. We can. We can. Uh, the fact that we both said it is big. Yeah. Um, um, and then I guess in the subfield, I mean, you have got. Interface design, you've got training, you've got um, physical design, you've got um, test and evaluation. Yeah. Um, hey, UX. we're in the we're in the pre-show. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna show this because um, cool. I only sh- show because we can do that in the pre-show. It's not audio only. I guess for patrons it is, but um, let's I'll see. teach them to come and look at it live. They can come and look at it live, or they can go and find this. Let me just see here. Uh, let me let me actually find this before i bring it up but the um if you go to hfes.org they have a um they have different sub technical groups right there there's a different technical group that kind of focuses on different um application areas Uh, and here let me go ahead and share this screen so you can see this this is just on the human factors and ergonomics website here you can see that there's um, a bunch of different technical groups here so things like augmented cognition um, children's issues cognitive engineering and decision making communications if you think you're um, putting something on the screen you're not oh i'm not oh yeah hey look at that i should probably bring that up shouldn't i there you go, there you go. That's, that's probably a little bit better 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you have all these technical groups. Again, this is found um, right on the website. And I think this is actually, is this under a login? I don't know. You can find it through like a, a Google HFES technical groups and you come up with it. Uh, but I would say that that's a great place to start for some of these um yeah, here's a here's a better look at it. It's a great place to start for some of these other subdomains of uh, of human factors and ergonomics. I think uh, you know a lot of these will go into detail about what exactly they do. So if any one of them kind of uh, stands out to you, check them out. Um, there's also uh, the Chartered Institute. Um, also has. Uh, different sectors that they they kind of break it up through, right? We kind of mentioned these ones were the high level ones that we were kind of talking about: healthcare, defense, um, transportation, those types of things. So, some pretty good resources out there for those types of things. Great, again, great questions. Love, I love these live questions. These always throw us curveballs. I it, think. Yeah, no, it's it's um, um makes it more valuable as well for in this case for deep sea hippo as well because they can get yeah. some um some straight feedback um agree it'd be interesting to know if deep sea hippo is considering going into human factors or there's somebody who were actually really good at human factors and they're just trying to test us oh yeah so could, it could be about. either one right yeah that'd be cool <laughs> where are you at in your human factors journey deep sea hippo uh, let us know uh in the meantime, we're going to look for more It Came Froms because we just need one more and then we'll be good yeah. with the show notes here. Uh, your favorite or recommended exercises throughout the design process. That one could be fun. Um, why is that? That's uh, very end. Oh, yeah, okay. Very last one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you want to do that one? Yeah, I can do. That, that sounds... In many ways, I don't care as long as it's got whiteboard and some post-its. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to talk about um, for that one. Jeez, what do I, what do I want to talk about? Is it... Do I talk about... Um, oh, of course, now I'm blanking on the name. What is the name I... when you go and, and like check them out in person? It's a, it's like a oh the um, shadowing type. Yeah, but what's it called? <laughs> See, now you've got me. Um, uh, geez. Uh, oh, we, we sound like complete. <laughs> going back to um, yeah, whether we know what we talked about or not. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what's it called? What's it called? It's a it's a it's a uh, something analysis. It's like a. Um, oh, I want to say observational oh. analysis, but it's not. It's there's a there's a better word for it than that. Wow! Um, wow! I can't believe I'm. This is my favorite usability thing. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, you, it's not mine, so um, I get away with that. See, one one of my is it my favorite contextual um, contextual. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Um, see, so I'm quite a, a fan of. Um, busy interviews and an engaging observation but a good friend of mine she 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 calls herself the queen of card sort oh queen of um, card. and she she that's that's her 
thing and that's what she's really really well known for so i always feel guilty when i do a card sort because i'm like i don't feel like i'm as qualified to do it because because i'm clearly not um, obsessed by it as what she is but we did a card sort the other day with my team it's very exciting um especially as we're in lockdown so it was an actual meeting that i called that we had to justify and write paperwork and a risk assessment for to actually just meet up with my team in the office oh geez task analysis is that it i feel like i'm still missing it I, I, oh contextual inquiry that's it all right uh, i got okay, it okay. I'm, contextual uh, inquiry okay wow geez that took that was a journey i'm gonna i'm gonna put that <laughs> i'm gonna put that into the show notes before i forget about it because boy oh boy that would be embarrassing all right uh I'm not going to read that username, though. You see that username that submitted? No. There you go. Look at that one. So equal opportunities and all that. Um, Actually, you know what? I will read it because that's that's hilarious. That's their their name. That is their name, and they did say it. So, uh, you know. Uh, Hey, hey, getting back to Deep Sea Hippo here. uh, Psych undergrad. Um, Uh, Stick around. Yeah, stick around. We'll be be talking about um, useful electives to take in undergrad in the It Came From section. And... Maybe it's the same person. I'm not sure. The name does not match up with who's in our Discord, but that's just fair enough. Um, but um, you know, that's that's a piece of advice that a lot of people uh, want to know. So, um, let's see here. So, I think we got everything. Let me just make sure. Um, the opinion came from. What's that? You need to update your. It came from. No, not it came from. Um, oh, it is okay. It is the same person. Oh, cool. Oh, I have. Yeah, that's uh, okay. We'll be. We're going to be talking a lot about you. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> I'll. I'll kind of um, re-talk about uh, the answers that I gave in the Discord. You'll get Barry's mm-hmm. thoughts on it, but uh, you know, I'll add a little bit to it because there's only so much you can type. So I'm. I'm glad you're here for this. That's great. Yeah, I was going to say because it's um, I don't I don't know the difference between the US courses so US degrees and the UK degrees in terms of just how much variation you get um, in what you do I don't think we get the, the same level of variation maybe we do I don't know yeah um, it'd be interesting to kind of see um, differences in see countries. yeah I I, I do give some lectures on site courses and um, human practice courses, but never actually done them myself because <laughs> um, I did engineering. <laughs> I always feel like a bit of a traitor. So, uh, or not not a traitor, a imposter. Um, imposter. That's what I, that's what I was looking for. But then, me and imposter syndrome, we go back. We, we've got a long, we, we go way back. <laughs> we've got a long distinguished <laughs> distinguished relationship, um, almost on a weekly basis. <laughs> Uh, see, I have that every time I go and like send an email out to somebody to interview, um, like for a podcast and something. Say, so, yeah, I know you're really important and stuff, and I'm just, I'm just somebody who's trying to make a um, a bit of a podcast. But would you be able to spare a little bit of time to talk to me? And I always get really amazed when they come back. Oh, I'd love to. It's like, really? Why? <laughs> but, uh, you anyway. know, I still experience that. I, I, I uh, have a lot of trouble, like cold. Uh, asking somebody to um, 
to Pate, which is probably why I'm, uh, yeah, I got lucky with you. You were very, uh, you actually joined the Twitch stream and were chatting with me and I was, um, it's like, oh, I got to get this guy on because <laughs> I already know he likes to talk. So it's, uh, but yeah, but again, I was, I was, when you reached out to me to ask if I would, um, sort of fill in for a bit, I was sitting there going, well, can I, do I, you know, yeah, I could do my own little podcast, but this is like a real podcast. Um, oh man. Uh, the, and see, uh, I was like, oh, yours is a real podcast. Then we realized we're both just making it up. So, no, we are both professionals. This is it's, it's good. Yes, we're uh, professionals. We we can, yeah. Let's... I don't know what I'm professional at yet, but I'm definitely professional. <laughs> uh, professional bullshitter. Uh, oh, I've, I've been that for a long time. I'm very yeah. experienced. <laughs> Backed by research, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, where you, it's how and why you run your own consultancy. Um, Okay, we got, what, 10 minutes before we go live with the show. Um, hey, if we got a couple people watching, looks like if you are watching along with us uh, and have any questions for us before we begin, let us know. Otherwise, uh, you know, let us know where you're watching from. I always like to get a sense of where everyone is located in the world. There's different uh, experiences, say, here in the States than across the pond over there in the UK versus anywhere i know we have uh listeners all over the world uh funny enough um one of our avid listeners and patreon supporter <laughs> mateo is actually in the in australia mm-hmm. and i know we have a couple other folks uh in like singapore southeast asia india like they're all over um which is actually really cool it's a, it's a global podcast i think we're what number 100 on on the technology charts in uh Qatar, so oh wow, yeah, look at that. Um, where did you find that? Out? I, I get some various emails and statistics, but I don't know how which of them to believe and which ones to not not believe. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I used I we yeah we use Chartable over here, um, just to kind of see keep keep track of some health type things. So. Yeah, and I, I do get stats from, because my host is um, Blueberry, and they do some really good download stats. Yeah. Um, so I get some quite quite detailed, actually. I can work out which like, people in the US, and you know, so around the world, but then also go, you'll go to US states and things like in UK uh, counties and stuff, which is quite neat. Um, so, yeah, it took... I was looking for the for the roundup show of it, and I think we saw like we're in sixty six countries, something like that. And I'm like, whoa! Wow. And there's some like random countries where one person downloaded. I was like, clearly somebody's on a VPN somewhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they just had a, we're not sure about this, so we're going to poke it out here just in case. So sketchy, yeah. I've I've, I've had new employees now this week. Oh, more thing, but I thought it's uh, amusing as a, yeah, as a preacher thing. Yeah, it's, you um, can do a little tease. Um, my daughter. Oh, is is a new employee? Yeah. Wow. Um, and How's so, that working? well, she only started two days ago, and so she's work, working two days a week because she's getting set up to go to university. So okay. she's at college at the moment, getting to go to university, but she's into into art and things. Which, considering both me and Amanda, my wife, we're both engineers. Um, our children are very much into art, drama, and, and things like that. And I'm like, how how did that happen? Um, got no idea. Um, 
but yeah, she we, we sort of joked for ages about, um, you know, if you ever want to come join the family business, you can join the family business, that's fine, all that sort of but you can contribute, you know, it's kind of free low. And, um, and she all said, I don't want to come work, work for you. I think it would be basically a ridiculous idea, which I kind of agree with. Um, but now she wanted, wanted to do design and stuff, and, um, and she rocked up. So, yeah, weird. Well, look at um, that. That's, yeah, I've... I worked for my dad uh, at a radio station um, as my first job, so I'm familiar with that. As long as you do, it, it's always like this weird, um, this weird pressure. It's like, you know, if 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 you mess up, you're not only letting the station down, but you're letting your dad down too. And it's like, uh, I, thankfully, I, I didn't really ever mess up. There was, you know, a couple times where I missed the station ID or something, but it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only required by law that you do that, so it's not a huge deal. Don't mind a thing. It happens within an hour. Um, so, but yeah, uh, that, that's no, interesting. I'm glad. I'm glad that is an experience that you are all navigating and trying to get through. So yeah, so now I work. Have it, my wife and my daughter as employees. Though my wife is a fellow director, so not te- not technically an employee, I guess. But um, all on the payroll. And, yeah, I, I like to think at, at work I tell her what to do, and then at home she tells me what I can tell her what to do. So, there you go. Um, That's everyone's happy, healthy. Uh, I'm just going to do one more pass on the show notes to make sure that we are good here. Yeah. Um, I feel so lost that the show notes are so complete. I've got to say, which clearly means that halfway through them, there's something, there's like such a big clangor somewhere that there's got to be, right? <laughs> oh, did um. um yeah, this point. You're right there. Did they have a conference remote? I'm pretty sure they did. Others? Yes. No, we, we, we did two. We've done okay. one. In, uh, it's been there for the past two years. Um, okay, I'll remove the question mark then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you go to that? Um, no, but I had a chat with them about it. And okay. we also had the... Yeah, I have that. That's NEC. Uh, okay. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um Cool. Uh, um, oh, UXPA was also remote, but that was well. No, that one was actually in person. Most recent one. What else? Interesting. I'm sure there's another one that I did. Um, kind of that exciting. But, uh, I wonder if there was. See, I, oh, if I can do it on my phone and have a quick. I feel like I feel like this music is different from what we normally have. Um, it, it feels a bit bit more Halloweeny. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, let's, let's switch that up. It's a little more. That's fine. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's fine. Good. That's that's my status quo. It's, it's, it's fine. It's good. <laughs> we'll go with it. Oh dear. Um, yeah, neither was aware of merch tonight. No, what's going on? Um, um, I don't even know where my merch is. I usually yeah, have like uh, one close by in case I need to promote. But. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I was busy trying to work out because I think I said last week I'm going to be um, um, podcasting from one of the THF conferences here. And so I was like, right, I'm going to need roller banners to go behind me. I'm going to need stickers to go on stuff. Um, we're going to need like 
handout stuff. You know, um, I bought a, I bought a big box of stickers to like hand out at conferences. We've gone to zero conferences <laughs> since I bought it a year ago with with the redesign of the logo. Yeah. And uh yeah, we're still living in a pandemic. Yeah, no, I was looking at the um I was I was, cause I, was I can't remember which whose website I was doing, but it was on about um podcast merch, what is good because I mean everyone does t shirts and stuff. Uh, I've done right. them, you them. Um but actually what is it that people want? So like it's like mugs and um like as long as you don't send them broken. Um, um oh, yeah. but like you know, enamel pills backstory and, like, on that. And stuff, yeah. <laughs> that still works. It's it's kind yeah. yeah. Um the old logo. Old logo, so I'm gonna have to get the uh well that wasn't even a logo, that was me just knocking something out because that didn't have a logo. Um and so I'm gonna get some I'm gonna have to get some ones redone. I can see this conference being very expensive. Um just for for the, all this type of stuff. But um Yeah, yeah we uh we went the expensive route in twenty eighteen when we went to HFES and had the full setup and everything. They got a setup with like lights and um cool. looking back on it it was it was uh probably poorly staged um but like it was it was right in the central area where everyone was kind of coming through to go to their stuff and so everyone saw us it was really high visibility yeah 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 um but, but i mean like and the lights were like on either side of this doorway that everyone was walking through they were pointed right at us there was kind of enough room for four people but like the way that we had the table up everyone was on um you know mini stage uh, like bar stools and so like we were just trying to uh yeah it was it was um we can do better (laughs) yes like i automatically used it as as an excuse to get some um, remote microphones um there you go a bit of kit so i actually managed to get hold of some um it's in the uh some of them and they're oh, yes. really, they're really very good. I've sort of started yeah. charging them up last night, so I'm, I'm looking forward to having them. I was going to maybe hook them up and give them a bit of a, uh, a run out tonight, but I thought it was a bit cruel to do that on a on a live show. I think um, so. So, speaking of live show, uh, stick with us. We're going to be right back, and we'll go ahead and start our show right after this. Uh, just stick around for one second while this little intro thing plays. Here. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hey, 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 episode 231. This is Human Factors Cast. We're recording this live on January 13th, 2022. Uh, I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. Hello. Hello. Hey, everyone. We got a great show for you all tonight. We're going to be talking about how virtual conferences might be more inclusive and eco-friendly. And later, we're going to be answering some questions from the community about useful electives to take in school to augment your human factors journey, how to network when most of those networking events are happening online now. And we'll talk about some of our favorite recommended exercises throughout the design process. But first, hey, uh, we have a human factors digital media lab that you can participate in if that is something that you are interested in uh we're really excited to have our 2022 kickoff meeting tomorrow uh so it might be a little late if you're listening to this but we're always looking for uh energetic passionate people to join our lab and maybe get their hands dirty with some human factors work or you know figuring out some interesting ways to communicate human factors i always like to 
plug it because it is such a cool thing that we've started over here and really proud of some of the stuff that's come out. But anyway, that's that's all we have for show notes or <laughs> community updates, the programming notes. That's what I'm looking for. That's all we have for those uh, this week. We know where you're here. Let's go ahead and get into... Yes, Human Factors News. This is the part of the show all about Human Factors News. A really interesting one this week that's kind of tangentially Human Factors related. Barry, what is the story this week? So this week we're talking about our virtual conferences are better for the environment and more inclusive. So the COVID-19 pandemic has brought uh, travel, work and in-person conferences to a halt. But new research finds this shift has made it easier for more people who could not previously attend these events to participate and lowered their environmental footprint. Researchers have analyzed several science conferences that went uh, virtual during the early months of the pandemic. In a new paper published in Nature Sustainability, the researchers examined the environmental, social, and economic costs of virtual conferences, compared with in-person events, and analyzed how the shift online altered participation by women, early career researchers, and scientists from underrepresented institutions and countries. The study found that virtual events lower costs and reduce time and travel commitments that have previously held some conferences back from attracting a diverse group of attendees. Also, the environmental costs of hundreds or thousands of people flying from around the world to attend a conference are eliminated. In addition to cost, in-person events are also require tremendous investments in time. These events often require uh, these events require travel often last, last multiple days and take up all of the attendees' time while, while they are there. The study found that many benefits to virtual conferences, but the challenges do remain. Among them are a lack of engagement and missing out on in-person networking, and in-person conferences are beginning to return, but the researchers expect many events to create hybrid, off hybrid offerings, potentially at lower prices. So it seems that the, the idea of these conferences are potentially here to stay. What do you think of that then, Nick? Uh, in other no-duh news, um, it sounds like, you know, I, I think a lot of this is fairly self-evident uh, with the benefits of some of these virtual conferences. Yes, they're more eco-friendly when you look at everything. No one's traveling to these things, and you can put it on for a relatively uh, small carbon footprint when no one's taking planes and no one's having to stay in hotels that use energy, that all this stuff. I think it also makes sense from the other perspective where, you know, it, to be inclusive for somebody to just stay at home and, you know, that is your sort of lodging for that conference event. The, the cost of admission might be lower because you don't have to reserve a space physically. It, it just seems very obvious to me. But I do think that this is a really cool springboard for talking about conferences just in general. I know this is a human factors show, but there are human factors conferences and there's human factors tangential conferences that should follow this format. And it's a really interesting thing. You can actually do, uh, you can use human factors principles to make conferences better. And so this is a little bit of depa departure from our typical human factors content, but still very relevant. Barry, what did you think of this story? Yeah, I think clearly the pandemic has provided a real, um, real point in time to think seriously about um, the advantages of doing stuff online. Um, they do say, you know, 
innovation is is the mother of, is born born from necessity. And if we didn't, if we weren't able to do these things online, then we just wouldn't have um, we wouldn't have been able to have any conferences at all. Whereas as it happens, I think I've probably attended more conferences during the pandemic because I've been able to just dial into them, um, zoom into them, Teams into them, uh, or whatever software you care to, care to choose. Um, I've been able to jump into them, and I've been able to get to a lot more content. Um, and to be able to present to a much bright, uh, broader range of audiences. Um, I mean, this year we've already been to Australia. We're going to um, states in a couple of weeks. We're doing you know, so. There's various bits and bobs, um, and so yeah, um, brilliant. And the ability for um, you know people from multiple people from companies to go to these sort of things. You know, because normally if you've got you've got one person going to a conference out out of a com- out of a particularly larger company, so maybe out of a department or something. Because you can't afford to have two or three people out of the department. You can't afford the travel for two or three people. Um, and that's before you get into, I think, which, which is one of the mainstays of that um, article, which is actually a lot of the underrepresented people can go there. It's not just the the person who normally goes on the conference can can go to the conference or the heavyweight goes to the conference. It's the, uh, everybody can have that opportunity. But I do think, as it does, does raise as well, we... The presenting and the information side of things is is one half or probably two thirds of what a conference is about. The other bit is actually talking to people. is the is the coffee breaks? Is the going to go up to somebody and say, "I I just heard your um, talk. Could you come and tell me a little bit more about it, maybe?" Or I disagree with you, or I wholeheartedly, you know, that the whole interface bit is. Um, or as somebody did to me one time, they they sort of called me uh, suggested I was a bit stupid um but then I found out that was because they um I, I did I fundamentally disagreed about what they were saying in 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 um in prose um but the um and I'm going to do that again soon as well um but yeah the idea that um you you've got to have that the the bit around the bit around the fringe that bit about you know going perhaps going into the bar in the evening or whatever to 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 chew stuff over and meet new friends um I still don't think we've got that thoroughly cracked on online yet so um i think a bit of, i think we'll probably talk about that, that in a bit as well so um, yeah we will uh but, I, I i often joke that the that we uh we go out networking when we're and i i do the air quotes for networking because it is it is drinking at night with yeah, your yeah. human factors buddies uh and just talking about the stuff that either you're presenting on or catching up on life and that's really important and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit um i, I don't want to put the cart before the horse but I, I do think that is a really important aspect of it that i think a lot of people know is important um i'm sorry i cut off your your opening thoughts no no i think um that that pretty much summed it up i was going, going to suggest that maybe do we want to talk about some of them them you know we you mentioned in your bit that the we there are human factors issues in organizing these in organizing a successful conference so what do you think some of them are yeah, let's talk about them. We have we have a long list here. Uh, maybe we just talk briefly about them. If we have anything to say, we can dig into them. But first and foremost is the organization of the conference itself, right? And I think if you think about before virtual-only conferences or before hybrid uh, conferences, I think there's, um, th- there's a distinct difference. I know some conferences will actually require that their leadership get together in a small gathering to plan out the conference. That now hap- has to happen digitally as well, right? There are uh, pre-arrangements to make. There's stuff that you do after a conference is kind of like a post-mortem. There's 
always backup plans that happen to contingency plans as well. And so there needs to be a lot of thought and effort put into the planning phase itself. And that usually results in a better conference. You know, the better prepared you are to go in, uh, then the better your conference is going to be. And so that planning phase is really important. We can talk about how that is impacted by being remote. Uh, I think it's fairly obvious there too. But did you want to talk about anything here? Or do you want to move on to the next one? No, I think that I think just to sort of reinforce that whole planning bit, and it's often the plans that you don't see that show you how good a conference is. So in obviously 2020 for the um, CIHF Ergonomics Conference, we I remember sat in a committee meeting, was it in February, January, February time, whatever, and, and they were uh, they, in the council meeting, they were saying, oh, well, you know, there's this coronavirus, but we were still in a physical meeting. So it was like, it's coronavirus thing, we don't know quite what's going to happen. So maybe we need to think about going online and, and stuff like that. And you could sort of have that feeling around the room of going, yeah, I guess we should do something like that, but it's not going to happen. It'll be fine, you know, but yeah, a bit of contingency is probably a good idea. Um, but it just shows that the effort that the that the team, actual organizing team that went to, so when the pandemic hit and we were like, we need to go online, actually it was, oh, it felt, um, I know it wasn't because there was a lot of effort that went into it, but it felt it was turnkey. It felt like it was, it was a natural transition. And if you, that, level of planning that level of of um, back planning and um, contingency planning shows if you've got a really good team together that they can just turn this thing on and, and it just runs and, you, and it's almost seamless as if well what did you expect you know of course it's seamless um makes such a difference how much how much lead time did you have on that but between like lockdown and the event um look so the Ergens conference was in april so about a month Okay, uh, so not a lot, really. See, because I had something very similar happen to me where we were doing it wasn't a conference, but it was for a user event. And hmm. um, basically what happened was there were it, it was a large gathering of, I guess, 200 plus people that were all coming together. And we were still unsure the week before the event, whether or not things would go into lockdown. Things went into lockdown here in the States, I think, on that Thursday and the event was the following Monday. And so we had four days wow. to really prepare what that would look like in a virtual format. We're, it went off without a hitch, but that's because we planned. We started thinking like, oh, yeah, this might actually happen. And then we did. Yeah, great. Let's get into academic program. I think this is really important for a lot of conferences. Barry, you want to talk about this one? Yeah. So, I mean, when you put putting together the academic program, and sometimes I do sort of bulk a bit about the academic bit of actually, because I think we should be transitioning to a broader range, which actually the online stuff lets you do more of, but you need to have a good range of presentations um, in, you know, the, look at the entire focus of what, what the conference is about. So make sure you've got a broad range of stuff that will appear, that will appeal um, to different people's interests um, because you want to go and go with the main core of what's going on. But actually what happens if you want to branch out a bit, diversify um, and, you know, have your, have your thoughts tested um, or the breath tested. So, don't be too scared about um, exploring some diff different bits about the uh, about the format, about trying new things, such as mini courses, which may run over a couple of days during the conference, or talking posters, or you know, let people come up with ideas about um, showing um, the content in in different ways. Um, encourage a variety of programming, so it isn't just um, a, a straight up presentation. It could be it could be different things in there, um, different delivery ways. Um, 
And the printed program should be attractive. It should be easy to use. It should be easy to digest, take that information. Um, it's almost that souvenir of, of the conference. It's that takeaway that you can put on the shelf and and look back with fond, with, with fondness and, uh, and good memories. Um, given the what we talked about the um, environmental aspects, it should be made available online. So you're gonna, it can be, it is digital rather than just uh, just a printed program, and you should be make that available before the conference goes, so people can dive into into the papers, can dive into the content, and have some thoughts before they um, before they see the presentation, um, and so allow them to know what presentation they might want to go and see. Um, so there's a lot about that program that you can put together and. Um, basically make it really, really attractive, but also make it really accessible um, in ways that perhaps we haven't always done in the past. Yeah, I think one big point that is starting to emerge here is making this frictionless for the conference goers. I think that is kind of the theme that we're seeing and we'll see it continue here. The next one that I want to jump into is venue. And this is something that largely was in control of physical locations, right? You could talk to a hotel and see what kind of accommodations they can make for your conference, how many rooms they have available. Now, the venue is digital. And we can talk about what digital venues look like. Uh, we've actually been to a couple conferences virtually that have interesting venues. We'll talk about those. But that's now one thing that you need to control for, but in a different way, because now everyone's in their own climate they're they're in their own environment and so this area that i'm in is my conference area it is also where i podcast it is also where i work uh and so it is different now um you know you, you no longer have to worry about things of whether or not you have good connectivity for wi-fi uh you don't need to worry about whether or not um people work online and need to take off a full day for the conference because they can just kind of dip in and out depending on their work schedules. Yeah. I think, I think this is a big one that is, uh, you don't have to worry about equipment. You don't have to worry about transportation to and from the venue. You know, it's, there's a lot of things that now are cut out. It's like, what, what digital platform do I use to host this event? It's, it's different. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have much else to say on that. You want to get into the social program? Just one more thing on venue, actually, is when we talk, because we're going to talk about, um, or there's going to be come up quite a lot about this idea of a hybrid conference, about whether what we do online and um, and virtual. So that sort of goes along with venue. So how, yeah. um, and I don't think, I don't think I have a necessarily have an answer to this, but that hybrid nature is going to be something we really think about and is going to evolve, I think, over the next couple of years about what does good hybrid hybrid elements look like. Is it the same event at the same time? Is it a split event or or whatever? Um, That's a great point. Anyway, yeah. Um, so as we sort of alluded to earlier, the possibly the most important part of a good conference is the is the social program. Um, the when in the, in the bad old days, the the only time that you want to go and actually talk to people was in the coffee break. Um, was in that bit, maybe at the start of the conference or just right at the end. But actually, you know, in in that intervening bit, when you when you're holding that cup of disgusting coffee um and and tepid tea um so but now we it's it seems to be so much so much different so actually coffee breaks themselves are an event you've got the uh, the stands to go and look around you've got the um you're going to go and pick up the your freebies your your gizits or your goodies um but we also have uh, yeah that you've got to have a pen you've got to have a lanyard tote bags are very popular nowadays 
you know, then then it's a sort of well, you've got to have the tote bag to put everything else in. So whoever gets the tote bag out first, um, clearly is on a is on a winner. Um but you a lot of the conferences we go to now also have have some element of social activity. So it can be um everything from um quiz night to um the uh we, we I did what with the murder mystery. Um, which was which was really really bizarre, really interesting because I was all, also found out last minute I was one of the characters, um, but also um, you know, everything from comedy to poetry readings to going outside and looking at city walks, etc., etc. Et so it, it, the the conference itself is not just um, about the delivery of that information; it's about the opportunity to engage. And sometimes it might be the the one time in the year. Certainly, what I find um, because. If you're going to go out in, as, as consultants in um, in the ergonomics world, you might only be one or two of you in a large organisation, so it's not that often you get together as a as a cohort. And so it's that one time in the year that I, I think that there's a bunch of people who can get together and you can reminisce of what you've done over the past year and maybe what you did about five years ago and over a, over a glass of wine or a or a jar of ale that type of thing. Um, but I think that they're not the only things that help make it work. Do you want to talk a bit about, about the importance of conference staff? Yeah, so so the staff is going to be sort of key for whether or not something is successful. A lot of this, a lot of times, depends on volunteers being able to um, stand in and kind of guide some of these, I guess, discussion panels or anything. It, it basically depends on the people. And a lot of it is going to be who's working the registration counter and who's, you know, checking people in or who's making sure that you've only had one alcoholic beverage with your free ticket at the, you know, <laughs> so there's a lot of people and there's obviously hotel staff that can help with that, but I'm using hotel or conference, uh, conference staff that can help with that. But uh, a lot of it that really does depend on the people. And so I don't know how much this changes from a physical environment to a virtual environment, but the only thing I do see changing is the way we communicate. And so um, I can talk a little bit about that when we get to the conferences that we've attended and kind of the difference there. But do you want to talk a little bit about the speakers that we sort of uh, bring in for some of these conferences? Because I think that's also another really important draw. It is. I mean, the um, the, the quality of the speaker is going to directly reflect, re directly rank your conference in terms of what you know how good your conference is going to be it's that it's the, it's the initial stuff that's going to draw people in um and and that is also reflected in a the um bringing out the, the that nature of um of who they are as the pre-advertising but when you're in there as well you listen to their presentation you listen to um, what they've got to say and they will more than likely be your lasting reflection um and so there's probably for every conference I've been to, there's probably only one or two people that I'll that will stick in the back of the mind and and you'll bring out. Um, they um, they're the people that that have probably done a lot of work to get you to um, where you're at. But it's not just them. So you've got your maybe two three keynote speakers. You've got your two three uh, big guns, as it were. But you there will be so many more people there who are presenting um, who are. Just do, you know, I would say just doing the day job. It's not, you know, they're, they're actually, for some of them, it'll be their first time presenting. Um, it'll be, you know, so it, it's about us providing a, a good supportive um, community to allow them to come and tell us what they've got to say because they might not be that experienced at presenting stuff, but 
they wouldn't have been selected to come and tell us about it if you if the stuff they wasn't they weren't they were going to tell us isn't good stuff so um whilst the big speakers are really important so are the little guys like us so um we, we should cherish them all I agree. So I'm going to I'm going to kind of skip over the next two. I'm going to mention them briefly, and then I'll get into the next one. I I only mention this because it doesn't really impact us directly, conference goers directly, I should say. So there's things like value for money, um making sure that the people who are going are getting something for their money. I think that does impact us, but if you look at other things like sponsorships, um that kind of helps offset those costs of having some of the um some of those materials available to you. I'll also talk briefly about advertising. Advertising happens at conferences. This is people, you see them kind of sitting in the exhibition hall, which is like another thing that we'll talk about here in a minute. But And, and that changes dramatically for these types of events. You can plaster advertisements all over an event online and it just becomes different. It I don't see it as too different from a physical environment where you have an advertisement on, you know, maybe a, a banner um, on the program or anything like that, it's still kind of in your face. It's still there making its way into the unconscious. I am going to get into plenary sessions because you talked about the speakers. Um, yes, these these are kind of the um, the bread and butter, if you will, day job talks that are about the research that's actually being done. Maybe not these huge transformative names in the field, or it could be, but they're just presenting on some of the work that's coming out of their lab, at least in the human factors domain. Right. There's sort of this um, this feeling of belonging to a group when you have a set of topics that a plenary session is kind of centered around. Right. So like my favorite one of my favorite ones at HFES, which is actually really hard to do virtually, is um, my VR and me. I think it's called that or something. My my uh, my VR and me. I, I don't know. It's basically a, a, a room where people give a five minute presentation about their VR and how it's helping whatever it is. And then you can go around the room and demo those things. And it's really cool. That's harder to do virtually, but you know, having, having a topic of VR and demos that actually does uh, bring a bunch of people together and make them feel like a group. And that also helps promote the networking aspect of it. I've talked enough. Why don't you get into the exhibition room? Yeah, I mean, the, the exhibition room is all about that bit where, um, you know, everybody can um, tr- advertise their wares, be it from, you know, the books, uh, which is obviously the, the popular one, you know, um, anything that's, that's lately published and anybody who's got a, got a, a desk there with freebies. I mean, this is where this is going to get harder in the um, in the virtual space. So we talked about advertising a bit earlier as well. I've sponsored um, conferences, both live and virtual. And one of the best things I like to sponsor is, are the lanyards for example, because lanyards, everybody's got them. It presenters wear them, everything, and you get really, really good exposure. It isn't quite the same on the online. So when we move to the online bit and they're like, oh, well, what, how could we translate that sponsorship into an online niche? So like, well, I'm not entirely sure. And I'm not convinced that as a value for money from a, an employer, so, so as a sponsor perspective, we've necessarily found the right thing. I'm not saying what, what they've done is bad, has been bad, um, but I I don't know whether that same level of impact is there yet. And the same is almost for exhibition rooms. How do we get, how do we do the exhibition room in the, in this virtual space? Um, but the, it's, it, we'll, we'll sort of see how that evolves, but fundamentally we need, it is a really valuable part of the conference because it's a bit where you can 
just have a mooch around and and you know find that book that you can never find online uh, and things like that so um how do you find that do you find conferences actually support speakers i well yes i i think being clear in communication um, sort of making sure that they are aware of what the process is for submitting a paper, for uh, when they are going up, what the schedule looks like, all that stuff is really important. Uh, and I think this has actually changed with digital formats because now they can pre-record their their recording and just give them a video and they don't even necessarily have to be there, which is kind of really dramatic change from needing to be there in person. A lot of people will pre-record it, show up and answer questions, have the discussion afterwards, at least from my experience. I am going to skip over a couple of these. I'll mention them briefly. I think we talked about a lot of sort of the, the key elements that make a conference successful. There's also considerations about the size of the conference, what to do when the conference is over, following up with participants or uh, conference goers. There's also kind of what is included in that conference package? Is it just a conference or are there workshops as well? And then last but not least, all this we've kind of been mentioning is in effort to make sure that the people who are going to these conferences feel like their experience is a good one. And sort of reducing friction at every point along the way will kind of lead to that. Now, I I do want to jump into kind of our experiences with conferences because we've gone to different conferences over the last two years that have happened virtually that we've been to in the past that have traditionally happened in person. Did you want to talk about any, uh, like, like pick maybe one conference that you can compare and contrast or two conferences? Yeah. yeah I mean, the, well, the obvious one for me is the, is the CIHF ergonomics conference, which they held online 2020, 2020 and 2021. Um, they were, um, you know, essentially the same um, same principles, but they ran it all all digitally, and you had the main presenter doing their thing, and you had a chat bar that you could actually go and chat in, um, and and you go and dive in, and they still ran some of the other bits there because they normally run their AGM um, at the conference as well, and actually having the AGM online made it well much more atten better attended than any other AGM I think they've ever had, um, and it allowed them to do like. Uh, pre-voting and all this sort of stuff so that was all really good i think there is certainly a lot that they um that they took over the bit that they that didn't work quite so well in the first year because it, it didn't happen was we didn't get much of the social um element because actually they run a, a killer quiz um they, the the quiz is normally really good really well attended and obviously with that happening i felt like there was something you know there was a hole in there which then they, they did they sorted out the, the following year um this year is going to be quite interesting because they're doing both. They're running a, an online, at the, so it's all in April. So at the start of April, they're doing a, a two days online, and then they're doing a physical two days at the back end of April. So we'll see how that runs out. Um, but the one that we met at was the um, Neuroergonomics Conference. Yeah, let's um, tag team that one because that, that yeah. one was really interesting. That one was a, a, the virtual venue actually made a lot of things feel like a traditional conference, you know, they had, it was a virtual environment. We've, if you want to go check it out, check out our NEC uh, 21 coverage um, and maybe watch the videos because we did actually, it's basically like eight bit sprites where you're navigating around this virtual environment, going to different conference sessions that were ultimately links to zoom links. But I mean, you know, it, it worked. It was kind of like you're occupying the space 
ultimately, I think what happened is they just threw out a bunch of Zoom links and said, hey, if you're interested in this, go to this link. If you're interested in that, go to that link. And that worked because it wasn't a big conference. It was kind of small and intimate. But being able to navigate your avatar in a physical or in a virtual space was kind of interesting because you could hear other conversations going on. It's still like this weird, do I jump in and say something with this conversation? Am I just going to kind of sit over there in this corner until someone comes over and interacts with me? There were other sort of networking events that felt a little forced, uh, mm-hmm. especially when like, you know, there wasn't, I, I think as part of the tools that they were using. But overall, I think it was a really interesting take on that virtual conference what did, what did you think of it yeah it was interesting i mean you mentioned earlier about having the staff there to help you along the way and that's i think one of the things that i felt that was missing because it was i spent a lot of time trying to work out what's going on how is it how am i meant to navigate this space and i spent more time focusing on the the navigation of the space rather than enjoying the the the, the content um but again that was only because that was the first time i'd used it so clearly that would be a um, an issue I wouldn't have the next time we went in. But you're right in terms of it, tr- it tried to do a replication of the space, but it wasn't, I like the fact that he went to this 8-bit approach because it, it was almost like going to play Minecraft. It wasn't trying right. to do anything fancy because as soon as you go something super VR or something like that, you always get somebody, and, and I'm looking at you, uh, Professor Bobstone, who jumps into any of that sort of conversation and say, well, that's not good enough. That's not, you know, that's not quite right. Um and so it just negated all of that by putting onto a very common playing field, which I thought was great. It was a it was a really different way of interacting. I don't know. I'd I'd quite like to organise an event in that space again, um, something small, something intimate, to to really explore how that would work. But then part of me is, is also like just that, just the normal um, single because um, the the advantage that, that sorry that the advantage that setup give you was you can run multi track events. Um, which is cool. Whereas the CIHF one that I mentioned was very much single track because you've got one screen and you're making the most of that one screen space. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. One note on the help. I'm surprised you felt that way because I felt the opposite. I felt the the helpers were in these bright yellow avatar uniforms with these big top hats that you couldn't miss them. uh, And they were standing around everywhere in various places. And so maybe it's just the, you Mm. needed some offline help to, to, without interacting with a person to navigate the space, but that's interesting. Also, yeah, yeah. Um, I can talk about HFES as well. HFES has been different from. I didn't go to the hybrid version this year, uh, but I I know they have split that up into two separate things. I can talk about what it looks like from a virtual perspective. It looks like just a bunch of screens. It looks like you're in a in a virtual lobby where you can kind of go. Here's the exhibition hall. Here's poster sessions. Here's that, and so it it is kind of still figuring out how to navigate in this virtual space. But I think a lot of the stuff that we talked about here represented there. I do want to bring up a couple of these article um, dis- discussion talking points. Maybe let's pick like two or three that were, uh, or let- let's pick two each and then, yep. and then we'll kind of go through them for me. Um, you know, we talked about sustainability. I think one of the, the, points here is that an in-person attendance uh, for scientists from Africa to several recent events uh, was on the average of 80% to 250% of their country's annual per, per person GDP with approximately 3% per capita GDP for U.S. participants. And so that any the inequity between uh, countries is going to be massive for being able to attend these virtual events because anyone could go to them as long as they have Internet and uh, can, you know, 
pay the price of admission. So I don't know. That was one point that stuck out to me. What sticks out to you? Um, I was blown away by the women's participation. So the women's participation in virtual conferences increased as much as 253% compared with previous in-person conferences. I mean, that's incredible. Um, So when looking at the academia attendance by students and postdoctoral scholars increased as much as 344%. I mean, that's just showing that doing the online stuff is really opening up the ability to attend this sort of stuff. And fundamentally, we sort of talked about about it on uh, previous ones where we talked about the the engagement of knowledge and sharing of knowledge and open access to knowledge. Um, The the fact that we're opening up um, conferences in this way is is great. Um, You know, it is absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, I think that's really good. Yeah, another point I'll make, and this is one that we kind of had, um, we had gone back and forth on throughout the throughout the points here, approximately 75% of attendees at one scientific conference and 96% at another conference said that they preferred in-person networking and that virtual sessions felt inauthentic and contrived. And that's kind of what I was getting at with the Mm. NEC. I think there were events felt a little contrived to me. Um, However, we're trying and it's, it's still unknown how to best do that in a virtual space. And I think you know, at, over time, we might get better at it as people get more comfortable with having their faces shown on camera or, you know, I don't know. There's just some things that we still need to figure out. But that was one thing that stood out to me. And I know that's one thing that a lot of people are still missing is that physical interaction with other people. Um, yeah. Any other points that you want to make here about the yeah, article? The, the last one from me is is the is the climate impact. Um, I mean, the scale of climate impact is is staggering. Um, the researchers estimated that just a single attendee of an in-person conference in 20, 2019 averaged over the conferences analyzed had the same environmental footprint as 7,000 virtual conference attendees. So the, the, the fact that you could, on, the same, on that same climate impact, you could attend 7,000 for the same uh, virtually as doing one in, one in person um, just shows that it's, you know, if, if you're going in, especially if you're perhaps not, you just want to go in for a moot. You want to go in for a browse. You're, you're not maybe completely bought into what a, a specific element that you desperately, desperately want to go and see, but you just want an overview. Um, or you just want to keep, you know, keep it on whilst you're working. It's an absolutely brilliant way of, of doing that um, and keeping your climate impact down. Yeah, I can say definitively, I attended more conferences last year than I have in any other year. Um, <laughs> I've been going to conferences. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up on the discussion. I just want to thank our patrons this week for selecting our topic. And huge thank you to our friends over at University of Texas at Austin for our news story this week. If you want to follow along, we do post the links to all the original articles on our weekly roundups on our blog. You can also join us on our Slack or Discord for more discussion on these stories and more. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. 
Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Yes, huge thank you as always to our patrons, especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff patrons like Michelle Tripp. Uh, I, I do want to bring up, so Treasurer says it's okay to talk about Patreon this week, so I just want to mention that we are two patrons away from being able to be fully self-sustainable here at a podcast, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, we do actually pay for this stuff out of pocket, and uh, the Patreon stuff actually really helps with that. You know, we're doing this live on several different platforms that wouldn't be possible without our patrons. We have a wonderful website. Again, wouldn't be possible without them. This actually goes to hosting the podcast itself on, uh, you know, the service that we use, SoundCloud. So there's a lot of things that that Patreon money goes to. Again, we're two away from being able to, like, finally wipe our hands clean and say, okay, honey, I don't have to spend any more money on the podcast. Do it for my wife. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that heavenly day. (laughs) She'll she'll thank you. All right. Yes. uh, Patrons like you keep the show running. Thank you all so much for your continued support. We're going to go ahead and get into this next part of the show. It came from. It came from. That's right. It came from. We're going to do a little something different this week. We actually got one from Discord. Uh, this is part of the show where we search all over the internet to bring you topics that the human factors community is talking about. So if you find any of these answers useful, give us a like or whatever it is, wherever you're watching to help other people find this content. First up today, we have one from Tara Talon. Do you have any videos or helpful, useful electives to take an undergrad? So um, I actually answered this one in Discord, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Barry. Yeah, I think there's um, basically. I think having that idea about what it is that you that you want to go um, to go and do um, all the way through is is kind of really helpful um, because if you've if you know that you're really super keen on on a specific thing, then anything you can do to block around that and support it. So look at the adjacent um, route. Um, and sort of saying, you know, if you're um, if you're into design, well, you could do design elements. If you if you want to be doing, if you're into sort of testing or uh, them type of things, then you could go and cluster around that. But then the the flip side is to actually, um, you, it doesn't necessarily support it, but um, look at almost the opposites idea as well. Is do something completely different as well. Um, the beauty about the human factor side of things is there is nothing or there is very little that won't come in useful at some point. Um, so if you want something just to be able to provide variety in your life, you can go and do something almost completely different because actually it will probably come back and back and be helpful and it will provide you some variety in the course that you're doing. Um, so <laughs> it kind of goes back to it kind of, it depends, um, depends what you want out of life. Um, I think personally, I think if you focus too much on just one thing, you might um, not burn yourself out, but sicken yourself um, in doing that. So trying to find different things to do that are that are tangential, tangentially useful, but um, um, but are different. I think help uh, make a more interesting course that way. 
What about you, Nick? What, what, what was your words of what was your words of wisdom? Yeah, great, great. Uh, so great feedback. I think I, I want to mention one thing too. Tara Talon is in the chat. So if there's any other clarifications, this is rare that we actually have an it came from where the person is in the chat with us. So if there's any other clarifications, let us know. So I mentioned that there are, in my head, there are three kind of ways in which you can tackle this, right? There's the fun route. The electives are, I think, meant to do that. They're encouraging you to go and look at hobbies or uh, augment your experience. I think, you know, for me, I did like an archaeology class, which was something that was cool. And I actually learned a lot from that class. Mm. I, I I don't know if I use that stuff in my human factors training, but I'm glad I took it. It was fun. Uh, there's also, you know, like music classes that you can take that will help stimulate your brain in other ways. And this is what I traditionally call the fun hobby route, right? There's also the support route, which is kind of like a way to augment your experience with stuff that will help you in the long run, right? You said maybe a business class here or there, maybe a, um, maybe an engineering class to figure out how people write requirements, maybe a design class to help understand how that process is done, maybe a software development class to understand kind of what's possible with code and what different languages do. All these are really good options. Uh, although you talked about burnout, that's a possibility here. But again, if you if you have interest in any of these things, you can almost double dip and say, yes, this is going to be fun and I'll learn something mm -hmm. for it. Then there's what I, I almost don't recommend. It's kind of what I did in a lot of ways. It's kind of the fast track path. It's the quick and easy pick courses that have easy teachers that is you don't care about the content. You know, you can just kind of do the quizzes and skate by. Um, and the reason that this is an option is because it will help you focus on some of the other classes that might be tougher. So if you know you're going to have to take in your program a very tough class with a very tough professor that has the reputation of being tough, this might be an option to offset some of that work that you know you'll have in another class. So all I'm saying here is just be strategic about it. I do want to bring up Frank, uh, who's been on the show. He's actually in Discord, too, responding to this. This is uh, Frank is recommending the full support route, especially if those classes can be rolled into a minor. So this is kind of augmenting that major with a minor. Frank argues that hobbies can be pursued at less costs than going to college. And, and I agree. I think there's plenty of resources available to folks that they can go and find uh, information for hobbies, but they don't have that one-on-one -on -one with a teacher, which I do think is really valuable for those. So I'm, I'm going to argue for uh, still looking into that approach. I think, um, you know, the, there's a, a communication class is another thing that I brought up that you can use to augment. We do a lot of communicating sitting here on a podcast. I'm communicating with you right now. I communicate with users. I communicate with stakeholders. There's a lot of things that you can learn from that class. Uh, dictation, speech and dictation. That is something that you can also learn. Uh, different languages. That's also communication, right? I, I know there's some language requirements in some of these things. I'm, I'm going on and on and on, but this is just to give anyone who else might be in this situation some ideas on how to look at this. So I don't know. That's that's kind of my thoughts. Do you have any other closing thoughts on this one before we move on? Yeah, I guess the two that I would almost really push um, is, well, you've already said the communication side of things. So much about what we do in Human Factors is about 
bringing different groups of people together and being able to communicate with them. And, and including that is that public speaking element about being able to present. Not not everybody is um, confident in public speaking. Um, I mean, even now, um, I think we talked in the pre-show about um, imposter syndrome and things like that. Finding good techniques to get over them sort of issues is really, really helpful. The second one is project management. Um, so learning a bit about project, not an in-depth um, course or anything like that, but learning about particularly the two main styles of um, agile and um, waterfall project management is quite useful because you will come across quite a lot of that in different bits. And just knowing the terminology will be will give you a significant jump start in your early career. I would suggest. Yeah. One one last note. I did forget to mention that Frank also said that a writing class could be helpful. So I, I do think that is uh, situational, but I do do a lot of writing, so I can stand by that. All right, let's get into this next one here. This one is, with most networking events happening online, what are some of the best ways to network for those who are looking to begin a career in human factors or UX? This is from Brewmaster21 on the user experience subreddit. They go on to write, I've personally found it rather difficult to network through online events. What are some ways that a fairly new graduate like me can network with fellow designers? Barry, do you have any advice for this person? Um, well, this really hits into what we were talking about earlier in the in the main topic. It's almost like we we, we thought it's about like, it. Yeah, it's almost like we prepared. Gary. Um I don't know. It is quite difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean, we talked about the Neuroeconomics Conference and being able to just, I mean, that's one of the first places that me and you had a discussion, uh, for example. Uh, so you can go and do it, but it's almost, I almost find it no easier, no harder, but also no easier than a physical conference. Because I don't know about you, but I sort of struggle um, quite a lot. If, I, if I'm in a crowded room, I don't know anybody. I'm not the best in the world at just going up to a random person and going, hi, I'm Barry. Tell me about why you're interested. Or, you know, that you know, doing that whole just interacting with people just off the cuff. I'm, I'm not very good at it. I have to really steal myself up to go and do it. So I think the first on doing it online, know your platform, know that you can, um, you know, how that how it works. And, you know, has already been highlighted. I clearly missed a, a major part of the neuroeconomics bit about how to use it. So make sure you know, take that bit of time to, to learn the platform. Um, but also don't be afraid. Um, most people who, if you go up to them and virtually or physically and say, hi, I'm such and such, I'm interested in what you're saying, or I disagree or, or whatever. Um, most people will go, because then most people are, are feeling probably very similar to what you are. Um, and yeah, just go go make some friends, though I fully recognize how difficult that, that hard, how hard it is to do that. But um, nobody's going bite to you, bite your head off. Yeah, I, I echo that. It is, it is hard. Uh, I think one piece of advice I would have for you if you are looking to connect with other professionals online, there's conferences, but then there's also other things. You can join communities. So we're actually talking with you that you've posted in a community, you've posted in a subreddit. Maybe follow up with people on some comments from this thread that you've created. Join other communities. Hey, we have a Discord and a Slack that you can join and talk to us about. If you're listening to this and find it helpful and want to connect with other people, Sometimes it's quiet, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes we get great questions and great discussion in there. And that is another way that you can communicate with people. You have to put yourself out there. You have to ask questions. But, you know, I try to at least reach out to people who are um, 
in our community. So if you want to connect, let me know. We can, and you never know what you're going to find from those connections too. I don't have to go and tell you the the value of doing networking. I think you get that, but you know, maybe if you're interested in something, I can put you in touch with somebody else. And you don't know that until you interact with a community. And so there are online communities that you can join. I would say, you know, Facebook groups, maybe there's something there, uh, Discord, Slack, Reddit, any social media, go go check those out. I don't know. That's kind of my advice. Uh, any other thoughts? Yeah, I think just kind of echoing what you said, Liz, um, look at the different platforms. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing us starting to see a bit of a growth in, on things like TikTok and Snapchat and things like that. Um, if you see something on, on TikTok that you find amusing and stuff like that, obviously there is loads of, depending on, on how the algorithm, algorithm is working for you, you get to see a variety of things. Um, but I'm seeing a, my, my algorithm has, has sort of um, evolved, so I'm seeing a lot of space stuff at the moment. And just being able to drop a comment in there and say, oh, I'm really liking your work or whatever. Any On any platform, if you give some feedback, chances are the uh, the content creator will reach back out at you and and say hi, or somebody else in, in the thread will say hi as well. So, yeah, just just bite the bullet and, and, and just say hello. Um, um, but also go into, I think, go into groups and stuff that are around what we do. Sometimes I get convinced to go into... Um, the business breakfast networking events. And um, as soon as I walk into them, I wish I could walk out of them because um, it is the one where you're in a room full of everything. Most people have never even heard of human factors um, or, or anything. And trying to sell that to some small business owner is incredibly difficult. And, yeah. and quite frankly, it's a waste of my time. And the breakfasts are, normally that, are not normally that good anyway. So I'd avoid them. I can hear Blake in my head saying, Go to local things like there's meetups and there's local chapters of Human Factors and Ergonomic Society here in the States. There are local things that you can go to and network with them locally. Um, I'm just hearing him in my head. Uh, not not literally. It just he's there. That would be weird. <laughs> uh, and so so maybe do that. And of course, <laughs> he probably has a lot of a uh, lot of recommendations for that. Okay, let's get into this last one here. Your favorite recommended exercises throughout the design process. I'm going to say this name. I swear to you, this is what it is. It's by Tifa's Titties on the user experience subreddit. What was last week? We were talking about NASA relabeling their their sleeves. Uh, and now we're talking about... Okay. So they go on to write, Hello and good afternoon. I have a question for all of you who have gone through the design process and would love some input. I'm currently in a, boot, a boot camp student who has finished the first phase of my coursework. As I move ahead, I'll be working on some capstone, capstone projects to build a portfolio. Um, while doing so, I want to push myself and expose myself to as many different tactics and methods in the design process. I have a fairly strong list of exercises to use as I work, but I wanted to hear from the professionals who have had hands-on experience and may be able to shed some insight. What are some of your favorite design recommendation, recommended exercises throughout the design process? Barry, what, what are some of your favorite exercises? Um, I don't know whether I've got particular favorites and it sounds such a, almost a, um, a sort of professionally thing to say is I use whatever's appropriate to the task. That's completely not right. I do have Good things answer. that I wrote. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and, and quite right too. Um, but no, I think in the grand scheme of things, I do like, I mean, um, I like a good card sort, but I also love, um, 
I, I like a good focus group is my favorite thing. I like the ability to get all of your um because I'm a great a great believer in sort of the the agile the, the sort of the, the scrum approach in things. I like getting both software engineers or um, in the room and your end users in the room um, to break down ta- to break down your task analysis piece. Um, and I the reason I love it so much is you can sit in there and you get particularly if you've got got your team well prepped that you can turn around and say, um, right, how do you do such and such a job? And you'll get one user coming in saying, right, well, we do this, 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 this. And then if you've got, if you've set it up right, then somebody else turn around and say, oh, no, 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 that's not how we do it. We do it like this. And you first get the, you get that nice bit of discussion there. Then you get the software engineers chipping in saying, oh, but don't you do this? Uh, because this is how we've, de- you know, this is how we believe in our heads that this was going to happen. If you can generate that sort of discussion, then I feel like you've done your job and it's, and then you can sort of record that down. Um, and so that, that's, that's what, that's the sort, if we can set that up properly, now, it's the sort of thing that you can do really well in a room, lots of post-its and all that sort of stuff. That's fab. But I'm still trying to get the same sort of appreciation online. So we can run these sort of things online through, um, through teams, et cetera. But you still, it's, I still struggle to get the same spark moment. Um, so we've been, you know, using various tools to, to try and make that work. Um, but I do have a friend as well who's um, she's really good at the whole card sorting piece, and she's known as the queen of queen of card sort. So whenever you need that sort of thing, you always pull her in in onto that project because because um, that's that's very much her go to, which I, which I find fascinating. What about you, Nick? What, what's your what's your um, what's your piece of choice? Yeah, I have two that when paired together are extremely powerful, but I'll, I'll talk about the first one because I forgot the name of it before the show. I had to look it up. It's a contextual it inquiry. Uh, contextual inquiry is when you go out to the site of somebody who's using your product and you get what it actually looks like to use that thing in the context of their environment and their working environment. And so if you think about something like maybe, I don't know, an electrician going out to an electrical relay who's trying to operate on an electrical relay. They're trying to press all these buttons in a very cramped space. You need to know that. You need to know that they have gloves on their hands before they interact with the thing. So you can't make it a uh, you know a capacitive touchscreen. It has to be pressure-sensitive touchscreen. You have to do all these things. I'm speaking from experience here. That's actually mm-hmm. something I've worked on in the past. Also with the defense industry, you know, you don't know that they're in this very quiet room. Uh, with this very locked down computer that they're working across two monitors and, oh, they need both monitors up at the same time, but yours is a web-based application that you can't really spread across the two monitors. And sometimes they're different aspect ratios because they use what's available to them and things break. It's all this stuff that you get in these contextual inquiries. And when you pair those with things like usability tests, where you have them do those tasks in the environment in which they're operating, you can really get some great insight. So I'd say those two, contextual inquiry, usability test. All right, we have just a couple minutes left. We're going to get into this next section called One More Thing. Needs no introduction. Barry, Spark notes One More Thing this week. What's your One More Thing? So um, I've done something which I've never really done, which, I, which has been a, almost a life-changing moment for me this week. And that's a, we've taken on a new employee at, um, in, in the business, and that's my daughter. Um, so my daughter's now uh, 17. She's looking to go to university and, and stuff, so, but she wanted um, a job to to make some money and all that sort of stuff. But also she's got, she's really into art and all that sort of stuff. So I was really keen to work out how we can, given that we do a lot of design work, A, could we 
stretch what she does into doing more digital design because obviously that is a, a, a future um that's where the future is of art in many ways and also what what we do um but also it's quite nice i mean obviously we, we run the business me and my wife anyway so we do already have the idea of family working but it's just a, a it feels like a, a almost a seminal moment where we've um um you know the, my daughter's old enough to employ and she's now joined what is now truly a family business so that's been um that's been quite a moment i, I, I printed out her id card today and everything it was it was a it wow. was it, it was a thing um big moment yeah um so i think you you said earlier that you've that you've been part of a family business um uh, with, with your with your parents so yeah um i think some of the advice you gave earlier i think was was is very useful to um to sort of see it from that side Just tell her don't mess up <laughs> well family businesses are always tricky that's <laughs> well, it's, it's multiple relationships isn't it it's yeah, um it really is we, different hats yeah i mean we employ um family but also close friends as well um which is possibly something you should you shouldn't do either but it's it's worth for 10 years now it, it, it's okay yeah. um but the my other thing is i'm trying to learn a new language um which for somebody of of my um aging years is i've never found languages easy anyway and so, but now we moved to Wales, and um, so we've been here four years. Then I think I should make the effort. So I'm starting off. Got one of these um, apps, and I'm starting to learn the very basics. Or literally two days ago, started to learn the very basics of a new language, and already I'm struggling. But uh, but we'll get there. <laughs> You'll get there. Yeah. Uh, for me, last week I talked about mental health. Um, go go get yourself some mental health. This week I'm going to talk about physical health. So I'm actually seeing a chiropractor uh, for the first time in my life. I've got the whole x-ray thing and uh, my neck is supposed to be straight and it's actually, or it's supposed to be curved and it's actually straight. Uh, and so I'm going three times a week for the next couple months to get everything all straightened out and physical therapy. And yeah, that's my spine is fucked. So like, you know, it's, it's just, it's just bad. Uh, but at the end of this year, you're going to be amazing. I hope so. Focusing on mental health and physical health. Yeah. 2020 yeah. is the year, right? All right. Well, that's going to be it for today, everyone. If you like this episode, enjoy some of the conference going conversation. We invite you to check out our most recent, uh, HFBS presidential town hall, where we actually talk to them about HFBS and the conference itself. Comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week. For more in-depth discussion, you can always join us on Slack or Discord. Uh, you can visit our official website, sign up for our newsletter, stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple things you can do. One, leave us a review wherever you're watching. That is free for you to do, and it really helps us out. Two, tell your friends about us. Uh, word of mouth is how we grow. And three, consider supporting us on Patreon. Like I said, we're two away from being self-sustainable. And as always, links to all of our socials and our website are in the description of this episode. I want to thank Mr. Barry Kirby for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about becoming a family member and getting hired by you? That might cause me a divorce. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Baz underscore K. Or you can, my uh, 2022 program is about to start on the 1202 Human Factors podcast. So you can find us at 1202podcast.com. You can always adopt. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me streaming on Twitch sometimes when I feel like it for mental health reasons and for <laughs> and across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it, it depends. depends. Hey, if you're sticking around with us, stick around just a little bit longer. We're going to do a post show if you want. Uh, take questions from the chat. Um, all that stuff. I don't know. That was a good show. I think that was, maybe that was quite a laugh. <laughs> That was, uh, was a little tight on time. I'm going to have to 
fix something. I was, I, I was watching that thinking <laughs> we, 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 we getting there, and then I realized we, I probably shouldn't have waffled much earlier on rather than trying to cram everything at the last minute. So. That's <laughs> okay. It's fine. It, it all ends up fine. Um, yes. Yes. Oh, that was that was a good episode. I think um, it's interesting to talk about conferences from this perspective uh, we've we've talked about it before in like some of our conference coverage but we i think we talked briefly about it on the show but to see it in context of all those different uh attributes and variables and to get the numbers behind it on this study it's really interesting it, it is interesting because i think the i still think we've got some way to go to get that blend right um so i've been talking a lot with the you know with, with what they're doing the chf um um, this year, because I'm hoping, fingers crossed, it's looking quite promising that a significant chunk of the online piece is going to be around climate ergonomics. And um, so we've got a paper in there. I'm half chair. I'm sorry. Um, I'm doing one of the key. Well, I'm not doing the keynote. I've got a keynote speaker and I'm interviewing them for the keynote. So they're not just giving a speech. I'm going to try and do, do an interview type thing, uh, which might not look too dissimilar to what we're doing here because um, we're going to hopefully pre-record it and, and I'll do it through my through my bit. So um so that's that's really cool and, and really engaging for for everybody but it's still also again how do you get that last third how do you get that bit of the engagement right of being able to talk, talk to people i really do enjoy in the economics conference is probably the conference i go to for the social um you know most of the conferences i go to because you know you want to you want to go to the content or you're being made to go because you're presenting or whatever but the economics conference is that one one that i go to because i want to catch up with people and you know and but talk shop you know because you, you want to talk about what you've been doing and, and potentially what else can be going on so how right. do we make that bit work properly um because I'm, I'm we're not we're not there yet um will the metaverse help um Oh wow. yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, good, good uh, plug, I guess. Um, so for, so we do a, a choose the. If you're unaware, if you're watching, listening, we do a choose the news poll every week on our Twitter. Um, that kind of supplements the patrons choose the news. So the way it works is there's there's some allocation of points that we give to the general public versus our patrons. And um, up next next week, one of the topics is uh, expert says people will soon live their entire lives in the metaverse. That is a topic that we could talk about on next week's show. Um, so that interests you. Go. We'll, we'll post our Twitter poll um, on our on our Twitter a little bit later tonight, so you can go and vote on that. We'll have it up for the next seven days. So um, the, the simple answer to that is no, they won't. But. Um... Yeah. Well, oh yeah. No, I don't think they will too. Uh, like you got to eat, right? You got to <laughs> yeah, sleep. And... It's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think we are, you know, we are getting more that way. But it's I've still so I do um, a, a part of a lecture I do to um, human factors adjacent students or psych students and things like that is around um, getting people to think differently about technology. And so I have almost a reverse. Um, so if you look at somebody looking at the phone. I typically have a photo of uh, of my wife. When we were out on a date, actually, um, her sat there at the other side table just looking at her phone. Um, but then, if you're, you know, you, we look at it and think, oh, they're just looking at that object. But actually, they're not. They're, it's almost, it's, it's a gateway, isn't it? So, they're into, in another world. Yeah. And clearly, just more interesting than me. Um, so, 
yeah, it, it is interesting. It, it, it's perception. It's all that sort of stuff. I don't know this this whole metaverse thing so far is um, distinctly underwhelming. I mean, they said all this sort of stuff about Second Life and and all that sort of stuff, and that sort of started to get somewhere, and then it stuttered, and then then just didn't. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting second realm. Because I mean, they say, say they say the same about uh, Minecraft, don't they? So, right. know, Minecraft realms and all that sort of stuff. I do still dabble in Minecraft. I quite like a bit of a uh, bit of bit, bit of Minecrafting now and again, just to dive out of reality. Um, but they're still not the same. Um, but um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing to me has always been like, well, how how can you string together these? multiple VEs in virtual environments mm. in a way that is seamless and uh, easy, right? I think the the concept of a metaverse is fascinating, intriguing, and challenging to think about. And I think uh, I, I have opinions on how it's being handled currently. I think maybe there's some... Um, over ambitious it's it's, too, it's really ambitious right now right i don't yeah. i don't know if we're ready for it uh technology sure i guess but there's still some lingering questions there that uh like i said how do you how do you make it seamless and easy for people to navigate from one thing to another and do it in a way that is um I guess rewarding and fun too. Like, there's still a lot to figure out, and I guess the fact that we're starting down the path of trying to figure out how to do that is uh, promising from somebody who's interested in those topics. It's not going to be for grandma. It's not going to be for you know. It's... No, I mean, we've got a. We're still at the very early adopter stage of the of the journey. In fact, are we even early adopter? We're still at uh, we're still at the stage before that where we're looking at. Um, uh, getting the technology right getting them them sort of right in play because it's just it still isn't like say it isn't fulfilling it's still very much of the um you know the, the engagement just isn't rich enough yet um so yeah we'll 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 see how it goes i think it's but i think we're always gonna we go it's got to keep evolving unless we a bit like what um Elon Musk is doing in in the various like the space sector and stuff until you've got people willing to push stuff out really hard but really good um then uh, we're always going to be we're always going to say that so we need to hang tight with the with these ideas with these experiments try them out use them you know it, it, give them a good old good user testing um, explore them, see what works and what doesn't, and then junk the rubbish and um, and and congratulate the good. Um, I'm, I'm particularly um, uh, enjoying the um, the Quest Two at the moment. Um, oh, oh, you have one? Yeah, um, I think it's 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 really good. So we played with the um, oh, what was the what was the corded version called the the, the original um, the, the the Rift the the Oculus Rift. Oh yes, and so we we had um, a, a company that we were working with. They got one of the early versions that did some work with it, and then I was like, that, "It's brilliant!" But there's a lot of it. It's corded. You um, you needed a separate headset because I was like, "It needs integrated sound because you, you that needs to be tied up so much." And they're one of the early companies in the UK to actually partner um, their headset with a set of really good headphones. 
um, and they were, and, which was really neat. So now that the now you've got the the Quest Two that has it integrated, the the controllers are largely intuitive, and the the graphics are really good. The only bit that they really got to work on is the whole thing steaming up, but um, um, that works after you've sweated for a while. Um, right. But uh, no, it's it's it, but it's it's at a relative, it's much more friendly price point as well. Um, so it's not not cheap, but it's um, it's not expensive either. Um, so no, I right? It's yeah. I still have a DK two developer kit too for the Oculus mm-hmm. somewhere around here. Um, so yeah, I'm super def- expensive, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. uh, and and I have the PSVR, and looking forward to PSVR two. I still I do want a Quest two, um, and I like. I'm an enthusiast, but I've been out of the game for too long. I feel like a lot of things have changed, and I really haven't been keeping up with research the way I used to. Yeah. Uh, for you know, for one reason or another, I've been focused on other domains and kind of fell out of it. And I feel like it is no longer. It's sad for me to say this. I feel like it's no longer new and exciting. I feel like there's a lot. There's still a lot to figure out, but it's it's beyond that. Um. I guess uh, honeymoon phase of it doesn't feel novel anymore. It's right, the, right. It's, it's kind that. of an accepted part now of of how we are doing things in certain ways, right? Like you have VR coasters, or you have um, you know VR therapy is another topic that we could mm-hmm. potentially talk about next week. Um, and, and I just feel like it's become more mainstream, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, that's actually kind of what I wanted to research, but. There's um I don't know, I just feel like it's it's the general public's reaction to it has been interesting. I feel like um a lot of people still like they they feel like it's a part of everyday life in for some people but don't maybe appreciate the potential it has. Yeah, I think for me the it's almost so the whole VR thing is is getting leapfrogged, I think, on in the general public by augmented reality, yes, because yes. we're still fixated with the the use of a phone as as a portal. Um, the the VR domains is still gonna, and it always is for a long time, going to be struggling with the fact that you have to put on a headset and you have to put yourself away from your your physical environment. Um, and and really, the big thing that on your that your average Joe Bloggs person struggles with is somebody might tap them on the shoulder. Somebody might trip them up. Somebody might, yeah. you might trip over a towel or something if you're like me and you're, you're using it, in the, using it in, in the bedroom or whatever, you know. Um, it's that, I mean, it's that, the, the integration between the VR and the real world, if you're, if you, if you're doing that, just putting your goggles on, it's still, there's a, there's a strong element of trust there. That um, that we struggle to get over, whereas AR, um, you know, you're, it is it, it feel it is more seamless because of the nature of what it right. is. So, um, yeah, and and AR by by its uh, own merits is much harder to develop for because you have mm-hmm. to have some sort of physical markers and a real environment to map onto. Right? I can see I can see some applications translating very well, like uh, le- like let's let's just take a fun example of Beat Saber. Um, yeah, your unfamiliar Beat Saber is where you just Love have two lightsabers and you're just slashing uh, little boxes that come at you as you're kind of moving and 
it, it's it's like a dance right and so uh it's a rhythm based game you're smashing these boxes and and so uh something like that is now done in vr and it includes your whole vision and these things come at you and fine i can see that being translated very easily to a an augmented space where now you have the marker as a tv you put like four qr codes on either side of your tv on the four corners and maybe maybe you still have um or, or this could be with any games really you just have you know so sort of 3d elements coming at you through the screen but it's augmented and you can interact with those elements in the physical in the physical space being yeah. outside of the tv right so i can see some translation where this could be cool um but you know they'd originate yeah. from the tv and come at you and and you still have awareness of your environment because you're seeing everything around you and so you can see that towel in front of you or you can see your yes. toddler running in front of you as he's excited about a fire truck and you don't want to hit him with you know a, a controller because you're not blinded anymore you you have awareness of what's going on in physical environment so you, you were you were there when i did that weren't you uh no <laughs> no so anyway um but no yeah i think you're you're absolutely right now i think the you know the ability for it it, it depends how where we want people to be immersed, I guess. I mean, one of the best things, you talked about the the PSVR, one of the best things I saw on that was um, the Apollo 11 thing that they've got. And so um, it was brilliant, busy, goes through the whole stage, everything from Kennedy's speech. And so you're sat in a room watching Kennedy's speech on a TV and you look around you and you're in that room and it's amazing. Then you go, you basically go do all the different stages through the, um, um, through going up into the in, 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 into the uh, Apollo uh, spacecraft, you sat down. You go you go through, and you're you're actually in the cockpit. Um, and you can see the the twelve or two alarms go off. Just plug there, um, and the um, uh-huh. and you do the landing, and, all, and that was a ama- such an immersive experience. Yeah. I was sat there going, wow. And now you know you automatically get into uh, maybe it's just me being a bit of a geek in the um, you know how can you reach this stuff? How can you see it? How can you there's so many displays and controls. How on earth could you take all this information at any one time? And and it was just, it was a fantastic, really really cool bit of kit. For for me, that that moment was when I did uh, one of the Star Wars. Um, it was like a Star Wars Rogue One add-on for Battlefront, and you know it starts you off, and the first thing you see is a big ATAT walker walking by you, and you really get a sense of scale and scope. And it's not in any environment; it's just a white environment and you see this big walker you know walking past you and then um you know you hit start and you are inspecting your x-wing you're walking around your x-wing and and you look at all the parts and pieces you climb into it and you see all the controls and you say i'm ready to go and the cockpit comes down on you and then the next thing you're flying in space and and you have the whole rebel fleet around you and you're in your cockpit and you're flying an x-wing and everything's just like the movies and you're flying around and you're in, you know engaged in this story and it's super cool um and then they came out with a whole video game around flying in the cockpit which was just rad it's so cool it's when yeah. you want to be transported to another world it is just absolutely you can't be beat by um doing that it's just you know i when that game came out the the squadrons when that came out you know i locked myself or i didn't lock myself i Kind of just blocked off my time at night. It came out around my birthday, I think, and I was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna do this. 
um or no it came yeah. out around my wife's birthday and that's why i had to figure oh, out less good when i was gonna oh. do it. less good um so i had to figure out when i was gonna do it but i basically just said okay i'm gonna take one night and just kind of like stay out here headset on full blast you know like i was sitting in complete darkness because you don't need a tv screen on and it reads the signals better and um just got so immersed in that story and and it actually really helped funny enough that that being able to look around a cockpit actually really helps with dog fighting and mm, so like yeah. Yeah. uh you know you can track them with your eyes and move with your controls kind of reminded me of uh like like riding a motorcycle right where you look in the direction that you want to go and you track your body towards that yeah yeah um yeah, yeah so cool so cool Anyway, if you want to hear us talk about the metaverse, <laughs> vote on that poll yeah. next week. Yes, because clearly we've got a lot to say about it. Um, yeah. Yes. What's the latest on on Blake? Do we know? Is it how's he doing? Is he? Um, he is good. I think that's all I can say. Fair he's enough. good. Yeah, he's, no, um, he's he's great. Cool. So I think I see he's been doing lots of uh, work in the background of doing the uh, the um, it came from. Um, yeah, he's been be doing a, the it came froms in the background, which have been getting some good traction. So that's cool. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I like the uh, I like the graphics work. Very good. Yeah. So, so well, it's like we're a real podcast with our reactions. So, I know, scary. Oh, it? I I should uh, we should make like just absolutely ridiculous reactions right now. I'll send them timestamp. You want to do it? Just go. <laughs> <Come on then. laughs> Okay, I'll send him that timestamp. What is it? We're one forty-eight fifty. Okay, 50, yeah, ish. One forty-eight fifty. Send him that timestamp here. Actually, the other thing I got sent the other day. What was it? Um, Repurposed IO. I don't know if you've heard of that. Repurposed um, IO. Yeah. So it allows. Um, it takes your your stream and allows you to basically it'll take chunk it all up and throw it out to your different platforms for you. Um, oh, interesting! So I had a bit of a go, so you can, particularly if you like, say you're doing what um, or I've been doing, which is I've got a lot of content that's just audio only. It will right. then put into um, into YouTube format, or yeah. and it'll do clips and stuff. So I've had a I've had a bit of a play. Um, so it would allow me to do ten event, you know, ten things, um, which I, so I took ten of my previous episodes and chucked it onto YouTube, and that seemed to be actually really seamless easy way of doing things it was quite it was really quite neat um and then they i just got an email from them today so i, I did did their trial um made that play um and so i'm now going to have a look because now they've sent me a thing today saying that they do it they'll do it with into tiktok as well and something oh. i think that's something i'm quite interested in because obviously that's where the cool kids are at the moment yeah uh, and so i'm going to have a play with that probably this afternoon uh no tomorrow afternoon because i've already missed this afternoon um so what plan is that on i don't see tiktok on any of these must be um no literally i've had the email today saying oh why is it doing that um why is this oh i need to do that there we go um what did the email say they yeah it says brand new integration available available to everyone no but that's literally the email i had it might not be on the website properly yet um, so, so I guess my question is like, what makes this different from Restream, right? Because we're we're broadcasting this on LinkedIn, we're broadcasting this on Facebook, and uh, we're not broadcasting on Instagram. We're broadcasting on YouTube. I guess Instagram would be nice to have. Uh, that so I this wouldn't is, have to do. 
yeah, so the repurpose one isn't isn't live. It's so it's taking content you have and and then redistributing everywhere else as well. So it's not okay. it's not to so obviously what we're doing here is is taking it and then redistributing it live as we go. That will take it and then not only take full on things, but it'll find clips for you. So your ten second clips or your one minute clips that you want to go out to to different areas. Now it'll do a lot of it automatically. What does that um, magic look like behind the scenes? Like, how, how does it pick? I've got no idea. That's my that's my exploration for sort of this weekend coming up. Is I've I can see how it does the does the big stuff, and actually it did the big stuff really well. Um, but I'm playing with it at the moment to see what the what the clips look like um, and how we yeah. can do that automatically. Because I'm not I'm not convinced. Um, so well, I'd be I'd be really curious to hear what your success is with some of those clips because. That could be really cool uh, mm. to like throw in your stories or whatever on Instagram or, um, you know, does it do it all automatically? Like you just give it a video and it, it finds those things and posts them for you. you just say. Apparently so. Uh, yeah. You can top it and tail it. So what I've done with my, with early episodes, I've taken some chunks of early episodes, I think. I don't, was it this with the whole ones? Or I tried to set it up. So you, I take the, uh, my new um, YouTube front and back end. Um, that I use on my on my stuff now, and then it'll put that into the old. So it'll then essentially repurpose the old um, the old audio into a into a video that has a sort of move, you know moving voice line and things like that. Right. And it'll take the podcast artwork and put that straight into it. So it does all that bit automatically. So it'll just take that straight out the RSS feed. Um, hmm. Yeah, it, I think it's got potential. Um, I just need I like you said I need to understand how it takes the clips because how does it know what an interesting clip looks look, look like right exactly um, exactly but it, like is it going to take this conversation and be like oh yeah we're talking about this this thing and and uh this is the clip right here and that's not interesting exactly so um i don't i, I don't know that so I, am, I will i will report back i imagine this is my guess is it looks at some if you link up an account is that what you do Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you, I've, so, I've linked up my RSS feed. So, so it is looking at statistics behind the scenes. Um, so, like, if you were to hook up your YouTube account, what you would do is it would look at where are these spikes in people looking at that data, and it would go, okay, that's an interesting moment. Let's pull it. But you need to have data for that, right? Yeah, so, so as a podcaster, you're not going to get that type of um, fidelity because I, I don't know. Like, I, we we get maybe ten views per video on youtube so people are watching them yeah but it's not nearly as large as our podcast audience and so yeah i, I would really be interested to see if you could take the data from a podcast feed and port that to a video and say like hey we have all this data for the podcast can you bring that into the video and see what's going on there yeah. or bring in stats from like restream where you know we have live viewers and say oh yeah there were like 10 people watching here um that's that's a hot moment. Let's you know pull it up or somebody somebody made this a clip on Twitch. Can we pull those in? Right, I'd be curious. I'm uh, let me know. I, I'm I really want to know about your experience with it and maybe we talk about it in the lab meeting at some point. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so I'll be playing with it. Hopefully, sent it up over this weekend because um, I've I like I said I had a two week was it a two week or what basically ten download um, trial okay. um, which I which I've done, um, but they've just sent me the email saying, oh, because we're doing the 
TikTok stuff as well. Do you want to restart ah. your trial? And I was like, yeah, I do want oh. to restart the trial because that will give me another 10 bits of content. Thank you very much. That's awesome. That's so awesome. hopefully I've sent them the email saying, yes, I'd, I'd love to. So we'll, um, I'll, I'll try that 10 with, uh, with some clips and, and see how it, how it clips up. Because basically you set up some work streams um and it's it's quite seems to be quite neat um it's it's you know even i could do it so wow. uh, let's see let's see how it goes that's a it's a glowing um endorsement glowing recommendation. even i yeah. could do it <laughs> yes. so all right well i think uh, i think we'll go ahead and cut it just a couple minutes early tonight and cool. um yeah, if you've been hanging out with us thank you for hanging out with us appreciate it always always love the live interaction and uh, if you're listening later, thank you for listening. We truly appreciate it. Indeed. And um, um, yeah, we I guess we'll be, we'll be back next week. Maybe talk about the metaverse. Maybe talk about uh, what are the other topics? Let's see here. It's either metaverse, VR helping with therapy, or uh, oh, autonomous drone helping save somebody's life uh, by um, for a cardiac arrest patient. So, oh, interesting. That is some interesting stuff. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.